Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. We're so excited today because our missions director, Tony Espinoza, is in service with us. He is temporarily working in Puerto Rico. We, we, we emphasize that temporarily. Yeah, we're anxious to get him back home, but it might be a little while. But he has done such a fantastic job and continues to do a great job of encouraging us and uh, just place it, planting vision uh, in our hearts for missions. And I know missions is his heart. And so uh, we're just excited to have you with us, Tony. I've asked him to come this morning and just share a few minutes uh, to challenge us once again. Let's welcome Tony this morning. Thank you, Pastor. I usually run coming up here. You know why? It's because um, time is so limited. I want to be able to share as much as I can in a limited time I have. Um, the other thing I do is I take my glasses off. That way, if you start sleeping while I'm talking, then, you know, I won't feel offended and, and lose, <laughs> lose track. But um, anyhow, those are tricks of the trade that I've learned throughout the years. But praise God. Praise God for this morning. It's, uh, it's Mission Sunday. And for me, I'm always, always, always excited when I have to talk about missions. Because if it wasn't for a missionary, I won't be here today. If it wasn't for a missionary... None of us will be here today, and praise God for the missionaries. But before I uh, uh, share a few words with y'all, um, y'all, that's something I took to Puerto Rico, and people look at me like, what? <laughs> you know, y'all, <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, I want to thank the Lord for allowing myself, my family, and for those that are here sitting uh, in the midst of, of us for serving him and serving Jesus Christ. And I know most of us probably haven't set foot in another country, but we have served the Lord through our giving and our love and our prayers. So that's important. And, and I praise God for that, for that opportunity that he's given us. Because believe me, we are extremely blessed as a nation and as a, as a country and as a city. We're superly blessed. Um, we're here Praising the Lord, worshiping him, raising our hands. And there's people right now that they're in the hiding trying to uh, praise the Lord. So I also want to say thank you to Pastor Doug and Janet uh, for entrusting me uh, this last year. And also the first time we moved here uh, in, nine, in 2004 uh, to be able to lead uh, uh, the, the missions directory. So uh, for me, it's a blessing. It's in my heart. Everything I do, everything I talk about, every time I have an opportunity to preach, there's something about missions that I always throw in there because I wholeheartedly believe that, that God has called every single one of us to be missionaries despite where we are, where we're going. Um, and again, for you all, for you all for praying, for praying not only uh, for the pastors, but also for all the missionaries throughout the world. You know, we have over 60 uh, missionaries and or organizations that we support as a congregation. And for a congregation this size, you may not think that's a lot, but that's huge. And uh, we set the standard, and, and it's because of every single one of you out there. So, you know, you should all be grateful and, and for, the, for what the Lord has allowed us to do. And, and last but not least, I want to thank my wife and my daughters because they have sacrificed a lot in my line of business and my line of duty. And, and now... Um, 
I'm gone. I'm gone for, I've been gone now for about four months, and she's here by herself with the girls, and, and, uh, but we still serve the Lord and love the Lord, and anywhere we're at, you know, we're, we're, we're God's children, so we have to be able to preach and, and talk about him. So if you spare with me a few more moments, I would like to talk to you about a story that we find in the Bible in Mark, uh, second chapter. And for those that have their Bibles, feel free to pull them out. For those that have electronic Bibles, feel free to uh, turn them on. Uh, Mark 2. And um, it's a story we all, we all know or should know if we, if we come um, Wednesday nights to our um, groups meetings and also if we go to you know, our, our respective Bible classes or whatnot, but Mark 2. And it's a, it's a story that you'll probably say, what does this have to do with missions? But spare with me here a few minutes. It says here in Mark 2, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Those four men represent, and I want to think represents me and you. It's the faith that we have, the faith that carries on through our life as Christians that allow us to bring the unsaved to Jesus. And it's not about emotion. The guy could come up here and get all you walled up and jumping up and down and, you know, emotionally involved. But I don't want you to be emotionally involved. I want you to be passionate. Because when you're passionate, then God will work through you. When you're passionate, you will give up that one meal a week to give towards missions. When you're passionate, when you go to the mall, you will give up that extra pair of shoes you do not need, but you want to be able to give it to missions. When you're passionate, you sacrifice. Women that have bore children know what passion is all about, because when they give birth, they're passionate about upbringing their children. We need to be passionate for Christ, brothers and sisters. You need to have the fire within you. Because when you have that fire burning in you, and you know that Christ is the means for salvation, and you see people that are dying, and I'm not talking about dying physically, I'm talking about dying spiritually, then your passion is going to lead you towards them. And I want to challenge you all to be passionate for Christ. I want to be passionate for Christ. 
Come on, brothers and sisters. It's like y'all didn't eat breakfast this morning. And I tell you, that breakfast that we got served this morning, raising our hands and worshiping our Lord, that spiritual breakfast, man, I tell you, if it doesn't break your heart and break you down, there's something wrong with your life. I want to be passionate for Christ. The last two plus decades, my job allowed me to go to places that most of you won't even want to go on vacation, even if they paid you to go on vacation. God has taken us to countries like Angola, El Salvador, Honduras, Brazil, which, by the way, they're all in the top most dangerous countries of the world. Some of them are like the murder capital of the world, like Tegucigalpa. And we live there, my family and I. And God gave us the opportunity to serve him in those, what many people will say, God-forsaken countries. But guess what? The Lord was working in those countries because they need to hear the word of salvation. But the Lord also took us to Europe. The Europeans brought us the message of Christ, yet they're giving their backs to Christ. Yet the Lord has taken us and others to Europe to be able to re-preach that word to those that once knew it and now they have given their back. Lord Almighty, I tell you, that passion for Christ, you got to have it. You got to feel it. You got to pray for it, brothers and sisters. Passion. I, um, because of that passion, God has given, he has blessed my family beyond my wildest dreams. I grew up in a small neighborhood in the, I won't say backwaters, but I guess I just said it, Puerto Rico, <laughs> where we didn't have much. And God took us out of there. And God allowed this humble servant to serve him through the U.S. Army abroad. And he blessed us beyond my wildest imagination and dreams. I would have never in my life thought I was going to go to these countries. Those are just a few that I just mentioned. But it's not a fact that he took me out of that barrio Aguacate. Most of you know what Aguacate is, right? Aguacado. That's where I came out of that small little barrio in Puerto Rico to take me to these different places. But God allowed us through our finances to support the missionaries because I felt that I had too, too many pair of shoes in my closet. I felt I had too, too many pair of T-shirts and whatnot in my closet. And that started to work in my life. When you walk through communities and people are sleeping outside because their whole community has been devastated by a hurricane or water flood, and they have nothing but a blue tarp to be able to cover their heads, cooking outside. If that doesn't move your heart, I don't know what moves your hearts, brothers and sisters. But to be able to preach to them, we had to take provisions to them. To be able to preach to them, 
we had to put a roof over their head. And all that is what shaped my life. I know it shaped my wife's life and my two older daughters that were involved in, in all these different missionary type work. But more so, it was the love of Christ working through us and that passion that every morning, despite how many hours I did not sleep, I woke up to go out and touch another life. And I know all of us are not going to be able to go out to the missions field. But like I stated earlier, we support over 60 missionaries and organizations. And your love and your giving could go a long way. So you may have come today with your mindset of putting a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever it is that the Lord has put in your heart, that you think the Lord put in your heart. But as Pastor Janet and Pastor Doug continues to talk, ask the Holy Spirit to touch your life. Because I know, matter of fact, I challenge you to make it hurt. Because we're not hurting in America. We're blessed. We're overly blessed. So with passion and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, may the Lord guide you as you're writing your pledge form. Okay? I love you all. And remember that our sole purpose is to go and make disciples throughout the world. And we're doing it here in San Antonio, we're doing it in Texas, we're doing it in the United States, but we're also doing it abroad. So I challenge you all, brothers and sisters, to have that passion to be able to give and to be able to serve. I love you all, and have a great day. I love it that Pastor, or Pastor Brother Tony is so passionate about about missions. I'm telling you, he gets me excited every time I hear him talk about missions, but we love missions. Do you love missions? What an opportunity that God gives us to spread the gospel. Um, Pastor Doug, and I speak for both of us, I'm sandwiched between two men of God who um, feel the call of missions to make sure that we as a church are not just sitting in here warming the pews, doing things that minister to our needs. And although those things are important and we make sure that there's ministry here for the people here, but it is so that we can spread the gospel because there's many who have never heard. Jesus is about to return for his church. So if you're sitting under the sound of my voice and when that trumpet sounds and you say, I didn't realize you were coming back. You can't say that because we've been telling you Jesus is about to return and our heart's condition is going to determine where we live for eternity. And the, the conditions of people's hearts around this world it determines um, whether they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Right now, um, I'm here to share about the three couples out of our church who serve on the full-time mission field. Um, we get to hear from them. I don't know how people did it in days past when we didn't have um, technology to be able to talk to them via Facebook and all, but um, we, get, we have the opportunity of speaking to them. So if you give to missions, you're a part of each one of these ministries. The first one I'm going to share with you is Floyd and Katrina Graham. They're serving in Myanmar, um, and their children, a couple of their children are right back here. You can connect with them on Facebook under Grams on the Go. 
They have left home and family to serve. They are actively imparting truth to the na uh, nationals there. Uh, they had a meeting with students, and their last student meeting, they had over 60 students there. They believe if they can make an impact on one student, and that student takes the message to the people of their country, they're multiplying their efforts. In one of the last services that Brother Floyd spoke at, there was over 600 people in attendance. People around this world are hungry for truth. Katrina shared with me just last night of a situation that they need prayer for. There is an ongoing conflict in northwest Myanmar. has left over 500 people displaced. Convoy of Hope generously assisted their team, providing relief aid. A few days ago, a pastor that was helping them was taken forcefully by rebel forces. They don't know his condition. They don't know his whereabouts. They're very concerned for him. They have been trying to negotiate a release with the rebel forces, but so far no success. So they ask for your prayers that this pastor be released. Uh, Floyd and Katrina have been approved for MA status, so their budget will increase. They'll be coming back home this May and begin itinerating. Our second missionaries are Aaron and Shannon Morgan and their children, Connor and Asher. They're serving in Budapest, Hungary. You can connect with them on Facebook under Morgan's on a Mission. Aren't these cute, all these little sayings? Uh, they say on social media, we do not promote a social gospel, but the biblical gospel. It can change the broader society. It is God at work through missionaries and pastors who lift up the downtrodden. It is Jesus himself who holds out the dual promises of eternal life and abundant life. May we be his hands extended in this mission of spiritual and temporal hope. Their children are growing up on the mission field. They are working hard at school. All of them are progressing in the language. They participate in kids' camps. They have church with the locals. Aaron even attempted preaching his newly learned Hungarian language. They continue to build relationships, sharing Christ's love with everyone in hopes that others will come to know Jesus as their Savior. They ask us to pray that we, they keep their health and their spirits lifted up, especially during this dreary time of the year. The boys, especially at this time of year, said they really miss Texas. Their assignment is three years long, and they've been there right at a year. And last but definitely not least is Matt and Stacy Leedy, who are um, missionaries and pastors in Stuttgart, Germany. Those are our children, for those of you who do not know. We can connect with them through their newsletter, the LID, standing for Leedy Intelligent Debriefing, or on Facebook under Stuttgart Missional Community Church. Matt and Stacy have went to serve our very own men and women of the armed forces. They have been there for six years. They have another three years um, that right now before they come back to itinerate. It proves to be very taxing on them as they embrace families, lead many to Christ, ministering to those who are far from home and all that they're familiar with to build relationships in a spirit-filled environment and then have to turn around and say goodbye. Pastor Doug and I have had the opportunity to go, go see firsthand the ministry that is being done there. It's amazing work and to see such community that has taken place. I know I couldn't do it. I would just have a nervous breakdown having to say goodbye all the time to someone. It takes a lot of spiritual fortitude. Fortunately, God has sent some locals to them, and they've built relationships that help cushion the constant move. There's also a young couple working with them from Oklahoma who is helping them in children's and youth ministries. 
They stay very relevant with the issues that we face here in the States because they know their people will come back here to live and while they still remain there. Stacy also ministers to the women within their congregation. In fact, she's preparing a women's conference right now that is taking place. She's asked us to pray for this. It's called Psalm 66, mimicking Root 66 with the subtitles of Our Testimonies. She's praying that this will have such an impact on women's lives. Uh, Pastor Doug and I get to see them come general council this, uh, this coming general council, end of May or June, July, something like that. Um, it is imperative that we remember each one of our missionaries in our prayers. They face slightly different issues, but nonetheless, what they face is hard. You have to be called to go. We see beautiful pictures and hear of all their stories on Facebooks, but each one of them tells me of their hardships that they face and how they couldn't do it without Christ. So we need to remember them in prayer. While many of us will remain here in the U.S., we have a call for missions in our lives. God told us to go ye. We must go. While I'm not going physically, it still should cost us something. Giving through our finances, because you give, the missionaries will be able to go, that they couldn't do this without money, the money that we're sending them with. Everyone that they build relationships, they will lead to Christ, and it will be credited to you when you stand before Jesus. Pastor Doug and I don't ask you to give and then sit back and do nothing ourselves. We give. I would share with you the exact numbers, but if I did, I risk you thinking I'm bragging, or maybe some of you might say, is that all that you give? Um, I'm just amazed at God's goodness. Paul writes in Philippians 1, 3 through 6, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I will always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. The most difficulty that I face is not the money that I send, it's being so far apart from my sweet children. But for the gospel, it's a small price to pay. After all that Christ has done for me and continues to do, I'm asking God today, what would you have me to do what more would you have me to give? I'm available for you, Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, before I get into uh, what I want to share uh, right before we receive our missions pledges, I thought we had a great, uh, we had a great year in 2018 in missions, and I uh, had some pictures that I wanted to uh, take us through, showing us the different missions projects that we were able to accomplish in 2018. Uh, we don't have anybody at the computer. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, we began the year, uh, go back one, Jeff. We began the year uh, in January of last year. We took a, uh, it was five or six of us guys went down uh, to Juarez, Mexico uh, to God for Girls Ministry, and we had several projects uh, lined up. We took this space right here, and they needed a maternity room. Uh, some, of, uh, some of the girls that are rescued out of trafficking uh, are pregnant when they get there, and they had no place to really get by themselves, and, and it was, they, needed, they needed their own space. And so we took this space. Go to the next slide. And uh, there we framed it out. Next slide. 
That's what the finished project looked like. That's from inside the room. And then the final slide, uh, that showed you some of the beds. I think they fit five actual beds in there. I just couldn't get the whole thing. And then uh, uh, the mosquito netting that's hanging down. No, I'm just, I don't know. We, don't, we didn't know for sure what that was. But <laughs> they, they enjoyed it. Uh, but also, I want to add that... Uh, Next Sunday, right after church, there are five of us that are uh, loading up a truck and a, and a huge trailer full of cabinets that are heading to Juarez once again because uh, the, uh, the ministry was able to purchase a new boys' home. Uh, they had ran out of space. The boys' home was pretty dilapidated. And I tell you, it's uh, just a miracle um, of God that that the funds came in and uh, Jane Christensen was able to purchase this brand new property, much larger, and we're going to be taking a trailer load of cabinets down that were uh, that are being provided by a gentleman in our church that has a cabinet company uh, furnishing all of these cabinets. And uh, Bill, right there, I didn't see you there, Bill. <laughs> Bill Tidwell Cabinet Company is what it's it's an incredible blessing and I mean it's it's a lot of cabinets because it's a large house and we're going to go down there and install all of these cabinets and a few other projects so right at the end of service as we're as we're taking up our uh, missions pledge cards we're also at the same time going to be receiving a love offering uh, to help cover the expenses uh, of that trip, uh, going down there, hotels and meals, and we always run into uh, miscellaneous expenditures that we've got to run to Home Depot. Thank the Lord there's a Home Depot there in Juarez, and uh, we always have to have Pastor Richard with us or else we can't tell anybody what we need. And, and <laughs> they just look, stare at us like we're nuts, you know. And so uh, anyway, uh, we'll receive a love offering at the end uh, of service for that. But going on, uh, also in the same ministry, uh, we were able to, uh, uh, we took this room, this was at uh, the school that they have, and that little carport there, uh, we turned it into an office. They had to have an office or else the government was going to shut down the school. They had to have a room where uh, you know, the, the, the school director had to have her own office. So there we're putting in the flooring, and then the next slide it shows uh, that was kind of we got the wall built with a window in it and uh, got the project completed next slide that's the car that we were able to purchase for Jane Christensen last year she absolutely loves that car it meets the need and that was an incredible blessing to her uh, next slide we donated, when, when we got a new church van several months ago, we donated our uh, older church van uh, to the boys' house, and they were absolutely ecstatic because they hadn't had a van that had air conditioning uh, for several years. And if you've spent any time in what is, uh, you would be acting just like that if you got a, a vehicle that finally had air conditioning in it. <laughs> Next slide. Convoy of Hope, last year we had the largest one day to feed the world offering uh, we had ever had, a little over $25,000, uh, and that was just, uh, that money goes to, uh, to feed those who are in, in dire straits. They are first responders to disasters all around the world, and Convoy of Hope is, a, is an arm of the Assemblies of God, and they're doing an incredible job. Next slide. 
wounded warriors. Uh, we were able to give Dave Reaver Ministries $5,000 in, in his work in working with uh, our soldiers that come back that have been uh, wounded and having trouble just uh, uh, psychologically and physically just getting back uh, into the community. Next slide. Pleasant Hills Children's Home, just right before Christmas. It was so much fun. We, uh, we took two couches. They needed desperate need for couches. Took two great-looking couches uh, down there, $2,500 cash gift, a lot of gift cards, and over 70 Christmas stockings that, I mean, that our uh, children's department had put together. They did a wonderful job, just packed full of toys and candy, and that was a great blessing. Next slide. Uh, this year, we purchased 130 of those uh, wall heaters that we were able to take downtown uh, to Agora Ministries, and uh, they had a, a group of young people that distributed those, and uh, there's many, many people in our inner, inner city right here in San Antonio uh, that don't have proper heat in their home. So uh, these last couple of weeks, they've, I'm sure, been happy to have those heaters. Next slide. That is a picture of the new boys' house, uh, the, the front of it. And uh, we, we had some pictures. I think that's the only one I have. Is that the only one, Jeff? Going into the boys' house. It's a, oh, there, okay. There's the living room and the stairs that go up. Uh, it, it's a really uh, neat, uh, kind of an industri modern industrial look. And so these cabinets that are going in there is really going to make the place uh, look incredible. So we stay very busy. We had a great year in missions. I believe this year can be greater. Do you believe that? So this morning is one of the most important Sundays on our calendar. Uh, some people a lot of, will argue that, oh, Christmas and Easter, those are the two most important Sundays on anyone's church calendar. But here's something to consider. Without doing what we're doing this morning, to making our pledges for missions to spread the gospel around the world, the messages of Christmas and Easter would not be relevant in this church if we were not involved in taking the gospel around the world, Right? Christmas is all about the birth of Jesus. Easter is about his glorious resurrection from the dead. And today is all about sharing those two truths with the world. So it's about sharing the last will and testament of Jesus before he ascended back up into heaven. The final instructions that he gave to us regarding how the church should be the church. And those are two questions that we as the church should continually ask ourselves, one, what is the church supposed to be? And secondly, what is the church supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be and what are we supposed to be doing? I want us to take a look this morning at how the church began, take a look at some of the people uh, that began, the, began with the church and the mission that they were given. And the first thing we need to understand is that the church was completely planned out and created by God. Jesus said to Peter, he said, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus stated here that it's whose church? His church. It's not Doug's church. It's not Joel Osteen's church. It's not John Hagee's church. It's not anyone else's church. It is the Lord's church. Amen? And 40 days after Jesus had risen from the dead, he called his 11 remaining disciples together to the Mount of Olives, and he gave them 
these final instructions. One of those instructions was to go to Jerusalem to wait for this gift that the Father had promised. And we read about that in Acts 1.8. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this group, along with about a hundred other people, a little over a hundred other people, they go to Jerusalem. They start praying and waiting. And after 10 days of prayer and waiting, when was the last time you were at a 10-day prayer meeting? <clears throat> When's the last time you were at a 10-hour prayer meeting? When's the last time some of you were at a 10-minute prayer meeting? 10 days a long time, right? They prayed. And they fasted. They were waiting. And they were gathered in that upper room. I have a picture of that. Uh, next March, we're going to be taking our first uh, CT Church Holy Land trip. And those of you that uh, go, I tell you, do what you can to start saving now. Because it's going to be an incredible, the Bible absolutely comes alive to you. In that room right there. Those are the original floors. The walls have been rebuilt, but you will stand on the exact stone floor. Those stone blocks are over a foot thick. And that's the room where the church began. That's the room where the Last Supper took place. And when you walk in there, it's just a very overwhelming feeling. And in that room, God sent His gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says they all began to speak in other tongues with power and boldness of the Holy Spirit that came upon those 120 people and the church was born. Amen? The first church to ever exist was a Pentecostal church. So Peter, who just a few weeks before that was too embarrassed or scared to admit that he even knew who Jesus was, he now goes out into the street and he boldly proclaims that people need to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior to repent of their sins and be baptized. And he does it with such authority in his voice that 3,000 people in one service, 3,000 people are convinced that he is speaking the truth and they accept Jesus as Lord of their life. So in one day, in that first day, the church went from 120 to 3,000. That's incredible, isn't it? They had no physical church building, no formal denomination, no constitution and bylaws, no 501c3 tax exempt status. I mean, they didn't have any of that. And yet the church was born. So who were these these 12 men that made up the nucleus of the church as it began. Uh, I want to talk about that just a little bit this morning. The truth is they were all very much ordinary men like you and me. Just very ordinary people. Uh, had some fishermen, tax collector, men who lived in the hills of Galilee. There is no record or indication that any of them were very wealthy or had great influence in the community. They were just pretty ordinary folks. Later on, there, there were some, some wealthy and influential followers of Christ, Saul of Tarsus being one of those. He was wealthy, he was highly educated, his family was a family of great influence. He had all of that. But keep in mind, the Lord had to knock him on his keister to do anything with him. That's all I'll say about that. 
So the fact that this huge majority of these men were just very common, ordinary people, that ought to really encourage us because that's what most of us are, right? Just kind of common, ordinary folks. And the second thing that we notice about these men is they were very, very imperfect. When Jesus gathered them there on the Mount of Olives, we read in Matthew 28, 17, He has risen from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. But Matthew 28, 17 says that they worshipped Him, but yet some of them doubted. You know, it's always Thomas that gets the rap for doubting, right? But this verse here says some of them doubted. I find that, I've always found that interesting. I mean, I've often said that you have to appreciate the honesty of the Bible. It never tries to gloss over the imperfections of the people that it speaks about. And here are these 11 guys who had walked with Jesus for the past three years. Uh, They were down to 11 because Judas had already uh, killed himself. And so uh, the 12th would be added a little bit later, Matthias. But at this point, there's 11 of them. And yet, even with Jesus standing right in front of them, and he's got the visible nail scars in his hands, it says that some of them doubted. You know, like I say, it's interesting that it was, it was more than just Thomas that doubted. Because they use that, he uses that word some. Some of them doubted. Not one. Some. None of them were perfect. You know, we look at Simon Peter. My goodness. Simon Peter, you never knew when he was going to go off, right? He had a bit of a temper. You never knew what he was going to say next. He had no problem grabbing that sword and slicing a guy's ear off. People sometimes may think, wow, he must have been really good with a sword. You know, just got that guy's ear off. I'm thinking exactly the opposite. He was a fisherman. He never handled swords. He was probably trying to cut the guy's head off, and all he got was an ear. That is more than likely the truth of the matter. If you were going to get in a sword fight, he'd have been a good one to challenge probably. But he was hot-headed. We know that, right? So James and John, they had some issues. They had ego issues, didn't they? Always wanting to know who was the greater, you know, who was going to be the greatest. They were very into that. Thomas, we know he was at least one of those who were doubting if Jesus had actually risen from the dead. So the men that made up the nucleus of that first church, they were every bit as imperfect as you or I. And that should encourage us just a little bit to know that God can use any of us to do great things in His kingdom if we'll just let Him. That's all we have to do is just let Him do great things. But the one thing that all of these men had in common was the fact that they did, they loved the Lord, and they wanted to please Him. They all eventually recognized Him as the Son of God who had indeed risen from the dead, and whatever He commanded them to do, they were determined to do it, even unto death. Which is what most of them came to. Very early death. Only one escaped martyrdom. And now 2,000 years later, that is still exactly what the church is today. A lot of just ordinary, imperfect people who hopefully have a desire to obey God and to please Him. Amen? 
That's what we need to be. And so the last thing I want to talk about this morning before we get down to the important business is the mission that God gave His church. We commonly refer to it as the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We live in a world that is every day becoming more hostile to Christianity. You see it in the news all the time. You know, every day we see the recognition of God being eradicated from public life. No more prayer in school, mention of God in schools or public events. There are cities around our country that have banned nativity scenes at Christmas time. Can you imagine? And even our own media has stated that fundamental Christians are a threat to our nation. We're now considered a threat to the nation. Satan has done such an incredible job of blinding so many people. The church, we have to be ready to take a stand for what we believe. So just how important is this great commission? Well, we know they are some of the very last words spoken before Jesus left this earth. And I think, it's a, I think it's a given that someone who knows they're about to exit this world, the last words they say are the most important things they can think of. And we as a church, we exist for one reason. That is to give ourselves away. Not to keep everything inward and to ourselves. We exist to reach the lost for Christ. And the moment that we turn all of our sights uh, inward to ourselves, and we start to think that the church is actually here to serve us rather than us here to serve the church, at that moment we cease to become part of the Lord's church. At that point we become kind of a small private social club. We have way too many of those. We need more churches. I've said this in the past, if we aren't actively and sacrificially reaching the lost, then we're not being the church, we're just playing church. You know, there's nothing wrong with playing church when you're kids. How many of you ever did that? But you know, we only stay kids for so long, right? Now that we're adults, it's up to us to be the church, not just play church. Amen? So this morning, as we're about to fill out these missions pledge cards for 2019, and do we have anyone here that you didn't receive one on your way in? Okay, we have uh, our ushers have some. If you can just keep your hand up until they come around and make sure you've got one in your hand. I just want to remind you that giving to missions is one of the greatest things that we can do in being the church the being the church that God has called us to be. You know, when we can put the spiritual needs of others before our needs and our wants, our lives become wide open to receive God's blessing in our life. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And I believe God's blessing has been on Calvary Temple for so many years because of our missions effort. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.